0: Untitled Podcast is a part of the Kansas Google Education Group Network and also the MACE Kansas Network. You can find more information about episodes and guests at www.untitledpc.net. Welcome to Untitled Podcast. My name is Travis True.
1: And I'm Carol Nelson.
0: Welcome to this edition of the podcast. Today we have Billy Esser, a library media specialist from Seaman High School. Billy, please introduce yourself and share with our listeners your journey in education and how you ended up at Seaman High School.
2: Um, well, my name is Billy Esser and this is my 25th year in teaching. Um, I believe it's my 20th year in uh, school libraries Um, I started out down in Anderson County at uh, Anderson County Junior Senior High School. I taught 7th, 8th, and 10th grade English, and then I decided I was going to get married. And so I spent the next 17 years um, out at Jeff West in Meriden, Kansas, which is um, about 10 to 15 minutes northeast of Topeka. And I taught 10th grade English and senior English and some newspaper and yearbook and um, I had the good fortune of having a really great principal and we were sitting there eating lunch uh, one day and we had a librarian and you know it was kind of when the internet was really evolving in schools. It's, it's when you started having computer labs and she was very traditional and she was lovely. Um, and <clears throat> she could tell you exactly how many years she had until she was CAPERS eligible. And one day someone asked her that while I was sitting there and my principal was sitting there And she said she had two years and I kind of perked up and my principal kind of perked up and he just looked at me and he said, do it. And so uh, I did. And so I spent the next couple of years uh, working on a master's degree in library science. And uh, when I finished my degree, uh, she retired and I stepped in. And I split time between the middle school and the high school and the middle school is now, uh, so I was working with students in grades five through eight and also students in grades nine through 12. And I had the good fortune of having um, a principal and a superintendent who who allowed me to uh, figure out what it was to be a, it's kind of cliche, a 21st century librarian Um, They were kind enough not to cut my budgets. They were kind enough, you know, funding school libraries isn't always about, it is about money for materials, but it's also about um, giving your librarians the time to really manage a library collection. And I just had a really great experience there. I was there for 17 years. And then I, I felt like I had sort of peaked. I had done all the good that I was going to do out at Jeff West, um, it would have been in the spring of 2014, and, and I decided it was time for a change. And so I accepted um, an elementary school position in the Siemens School District, and I split time between a couple of buildings, and man, <laughs> it was great experience. Um, you know, I think high school people have preconceived notions about elementary people and elementary people have preconceived notions about high school people. And some of those things are true and some of those things are false. And I spent two years um, doing that and then the high school position became available. And so I've been at Seaman High since the fall of t- 2016. Um, trying to think about my journey. Uh, I, think I've just, I think part of my journey, I feel like it's been successful because I've had um, administrators who have either supported what, what I've done or administrators that were malleable to the ideas that I had about the school library. And um, it was a whole lot more than I ever thought it was going to be. A lot of people think that it's just checking out books, but it, it's so much more than that. So that's how I got here.
1: It's great. We love, We just love hearing about each person's journey. And it's really interesting to hear how you get to where you are and how, it kind, you know, different steps prepare you for each next adventure. And so it's exciting to hear your adventure as well. And so I'm sure one of the things that you deal with um, is web information, um, how in your position, Do you help students and teachers navigate that web of of information and disinformation as well?
2: Um, There's a lot of Um, co-teaching. Co-teaching with my staff has always been kind of a fundamental thing. Um, I still like to teach. I love to go into classrooms. And a lot of it is about educating staff on resources that are available to them. Um, a lot of it is on educating teachers. You know, technology is changing so fast that how many teachers did research when they were in college, whether it was five years ago, uh, for a lot of them, it was 25 years ago. Um, a, a lot of them don't have the skills or they grab a quick, uh, they, they grab a quick in-service. You know, maybe there's a conference and they discuss integrating research into into a classroom. Um, but I, I do that by reaching out to my students and my staff. Um, Personally, I don't think successful school librarians are quiet and demure and just kind of hide out in the library. You've got to be an advocate. And so I work really hard at working with teachers, whether they're English teachers or social studies teachers or science teachers, um, keeping them up to date on the information Um, being available to work with them and conference with them, um, letting them know, hey, did you know that on TikTok in January, uh, they said that Helen Keller wasn't real and didn't exist? Um, That was a thing. And there were a bunch of teenagers, I guess, who somebody put together a TikTok, said Helen Keller wasn't real. She couldn't have accomplished what she did. There's no way that she could fly a plane. And... I let teachers know that you know this is the information that is out there, and you've got to educate yourself. And uh, when a student says something that is clearly uh, misinformation, you, you've you've got to point it out to them. So education, getting into the classrooms, is how I work to combat that.
0: So as you work with teachers. Um, what are some strategies or um, tips that you share with those teachers that they can use to embed that um, information literacy into their lessons? Because it's probably not a standalone lesson. Right. And it should be, you know, um, because kids are looking up information all the time, they need to have those skills, you know, across the board, across all, all their subjects, cause they are looking up information all the time. So what are some strategies that teachers can use um, to teach their students or to embed um, to help with information literacy?
2: So one of the first things that I, I try to, I try to get teachers to understand is that we've got a lot of teachers that think that research happens quickly They say, hey, go find some information and put together this project or do this poster. And when you push students to put together information quickly, um, they kind of do sloppy research. And so I I, I remind them that research takes time. Uh, I remind them about using the databases that are available from the State Library of Kansas. Um, I remind them that Wikipedia is not a bad thing. Uh, You know, when Wikipedia, I, I know it's funny, right? You know, when Wikipedia, I was there when Wikipedia first came out and, you know, it was, it was the spawn of Satan. What do you mean someone can go out there and change the information that's on the web? You know, when Wikipedia, we were used to 1.0 internet where you could gap, gather, but you couldn't change or edit. And so Wikipedia became a thing and, and librarians and teachers, they, they literally lost their minds. And I mean, it's true. I mean, we did. I'm, I'm just... did we lost our minds don't trust that um but it's evolved and now we understand what crowdsourcing is um now we the the research has been done um that we show that not we but the research shows that wikipedia is just as reliable as a print encyclopedia and that on average you're going to have about three mistake three minor mistakes uh per entry Um, Some don't know that there are pages on Wikipedia that not everyone can edit. Um, There's Vandalism does happen on Wikipedia, and those sensitive topics or those topics that are controversial, that they are locked down. And so there's this term that's kind of been floating around for the last year or so um, that I'm trying to get across to my staff, and it's called lateral reading. And that's where you have a trust, a, a sort, a trusted source that you go to, like Wikipedia or an online encyclopedia. Um, that when you when you read something, maybe you're reading a newspaper article uh, and, or a magazine article, and you know the first couple of sentences. If there are facts listed, go go check that information right now, and see if the fact is accurate or if it's true. Um, unfortunately. We are in a very crazy time, um, and the, the misinformation is so prevalent that you have to fact check something like TikTok, because that's where people are getting their news and information from. Um, you have to fact check everything, because I, you know the more uh, likes that a TikTok video gets or an Instagram photo gets, you know, the more popular they are. And so, back to your question, I'm i'm bad about doing the roundabout back to your question um i'm just trying to stress to teachers that you you've got to tell kids to question everything uh databases um while reliable are not without bias and opinion uh that telling students to hey just go grab some quick information and base a huge project off that not always a great thing Um, And lateral reading, I lateral reading, I think is something that um, teachers are going to probably be hearing more about in the next couple of years. I think that um, this is just my opinion; it's not, you know, researched or verified anywhere. I think in the next few years. We've gotten to a point where encyclopedias haven't been considered reliable resources, or they've been considered reliable, but they've been considered low—you know, low skills, low information. Um, I, I, I can see in the future where an encyclopedia article might be used in upper-level research to establish fact, because um, I was watching a, I was watching a, it was an EdWeb uh, thing with Michelle ludula who is. The head librarian at New Canaan High School in Connecticut, and she's discussing how people don't have a sense of information agency, that they're getting their information uh, from Facebook or TikTok or Instagram, and so they don't know who to believe, Mm -hmm. and so when they don't know who to believe, they're just sort of making up the facts as as we go along, and so I do think that encyclopedias are are sort of going to come back around so that we can establish some general basic knowledge and facts. Does does that answer your question, Travis? Did I?
0: Yeah, I think think so. I think, you know, another good strategy would be to find multiple resources or multiple sources of that information or with that data, because, you know, that's a... Like you, like you said, people are getting their news from Facebook and TikTok and Twitter. And if you see something posted on Facebook and you're not quite sure about it, do some research and see if there's multiple news outlets that are reporting the same thing or other websites that are reporting similar, then generally the story is probably true. If that's the one sole source of the story, eh, that might be kind of a, fishy situation
2: yeah there's a there's an acronym there used to be that acronym called CRAP C-R-A-A-P and people of librarians have kind of pushed that to the side and they're especially elementary librarians they always hated that acronym uh but it's called SIFT and it means stop investigate find trusted coverage and um trace back to the original so SIFT is a model that people are using, and it's just like you said, it's, tri- I, I, I use the term triangulating, find, find that information from three other reliable sources. But the problem is, is that kids don't know what reliable sources are. You know, a lot of people don't watch the evening news. They can't tell you some of the most common magazines um, or website magazines that are out there today, they, they don't know. So why wouldn't they trust TikTok? Mm-hmm. They don't, they, they don't know. And, and I think that we've really got to start doing this, um, you know, a lot of times sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade is when people, you know, kids really start getting that information literacy uh, taught to them. We've got to, we've got to start teaching it earlier. We've got to start working with first and second graders. We're, well, where did you hear that? Can we verify that? And it's hard. It's hard.
0: Yeah. I think also, showing them how to do proper web searches, not just typing in, not just going to Google and typing in keywords, but using those search strings and utilizing, like you said, utilizing the databases that they have available through, like use the public library and
2: state library of Kansas, state library of
0: Kansas. So that, and even so that they know that, they'll have access to databases if they go to college they'll also have access to those databases too
2: right um i think one of the things that you were mentioning is that school libraries are underfunded uh and there are great databases that are available for little kids uh k3 and even though the research shows that a dynamic school library program contributes to imp- with a certified librarian contributes to um, increased reading scores. Um, you know, their librarians are just rate, especially at that grade level, they're regularly used for classroom release time, That you know, and that's a concern I have. They think it's just about checking out books and not, um, not combating misinformation.
1: And- do you have any um, sites that you like to point teachers to to help with some of that training? Um, yes, the National
2: Literacy—excuse Pro- <clears throat> me the National Literacy Project is a great site for that. Um, Common Sense Media uh, has great resources on teaching information literacy skills. Um, the American Library Association obviously has great sources on that. Um, the problem is, is that it takes time and everybody wants it to be quick and easy. And I was going to say, Travis, if you can get your kids to just use keywords and not ask questions when they go to
1: Google, then you've already done, you know, a fabulous job. Well, I'm making lots of notes in our show notes for the different tools that you just mentioned. And just to remind our listeners that we'll have those available for them. So, um, just to switch gears, just a smidge, we talked about tools in some ways, but Travis and I are on the nerdy side. So we like to also ask what your favorite tech tool in general is to use. Do you have a favorite tech tool? Well, currently
2: my favorite tech tool is Pear Deck. Mm. Um, our, our high school, when we were on remote learning and when we were in hybrid, Um, You know, our students were split 50 50. And when students are, we're in a one to one building. uh, So every student's got a, you know, a school laptop. And when students were at home, they were still expected to show up and learn synchronously. Mm -hmm. So you would have half students in the classroom, half the students remoting in. And so my favorite tech tool is Pear Deck right now. And it's definitely something that I'm going to keep. Uh, in the future. I like the interactivity of it. I mean, students don't always love it when they see me walking into their classroom, especially by about junior year, because, you know, they're going to get, you know, get the drill down about uh, checking your facts and information literacy and finding information, or they're freaked out because they know there's a big project coming. Uh, But anyway, the Pear Deck allowed me to keep students who were at home, uh, Engaged. Um, I would make sure that I called on those who were at home. Um, I just like the feature of knowing, uh, uh, of forcing, of forcing. I'm a very gentle person, uh, forcing students to actively participate. Um, And it's hard to get, you know, 14 to 18 year old students to understand why, what, why checking your facts are important. They 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 don't understand the consequences, and you know, frankly, a lot of their Parents don't either, and uh, so right now, Pear Deck is my favorite, my favorite tech tool.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, I know it's a lot of everybody who uses it absolutely loves it. I know that. Um, so our final question is one that we ask all of our guests because it's interesting to hear the different perspectives and answers to this question because we're all going through the same global pandemic. So what is something that you're going to take away from, from teaching during this time of COVID? What will you carry forward or continue to use or do?
2: Um, I will continue, obviously, to use Pear Deck. Um, I think one of the things that I liked about being forced to teach uh, remotely uh, or to teach in a hybrid situation was that it really forced me to slow down and evaluate the process uh, and to identify weaknesses and identify gaps um i've been i've been doing this for a long time and so what is obviously clear to me isn't you know i i think they've gotten or they should know this by now um they regularly don't and so I think what I'm going to take away moving forward, and actually um, we're going to do this uh, with a, I'm going to do this with a couple of teachers um, next year is I'm going to continue to teach remotely. I'm gonna remote in to a couple of teachers who've got the same class during the same hour. And uh, I like it because it, it forces me to focus on students and it forces me to focus on what it is that I'm teaching. Because it matters to me um, if a student understands what I'm what I'm doing, or maybe they don't understand it, but they can at least follow the steps in order to complete the process. That that matters to me. And so I, I am going to I'm going to take that with me. I'm going to remote in. And I think it makes me better.
0: Well, Billy, thanks for coming on. Oh, see. So yeah. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Um, on the episode talking about information literacy. Cause it is, it's super important, especially in the last few years in the, in the fake news era that we're in now. And, and with all the information that's on social media and online and every place, um, it's, it's super important. Um, so uh, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, We really appreciate it. Listeners, remember, um, resources that were mentioned are going to be linked in the show notes on the episode page. And, um, Billy, you have any final thoughts or comments before we...
2: I do. EdWeb has a ton of free webinars and anything out there by Michelle Ludala. It's L-U-H-T-A-L-A. Uh, or Joyce Valenza, who's now a uh, professor at Rutgers. Uh, she writes a never-ending search blog for School Library Journal. In- anything out there by, by, uh, by those two gals or anyone that they present with is really going to uh, expand, whether you're a school librarian or a classroom teacher, it's really going to expand your knowledge and give you some ideas about integrating information literacy into the classes that you teach. I'm not original. I, I still all, I still all their ideas.
0: Hey, that's what teachers do best is borrow, right? Right. <laughs> well, Billy, thanks thanks a lot for coming on and for everyone who's listening, we'll see you next time.
1: Right.